of applause. Super glad he's here to share with us today. Um, thanks, Dave. That'd be an honor to have your back. Um, so, worship really did me in. Man, that was awesome. Um, elementary kids, you guys are free to go down in the basement. Did we already dismiss them? No? Okay. There's just not as many. Usually it's a bum rush, right? Okay. Um, before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the time that uh, your believers get to gather and to get to draw near to you. I pray that you can just prepare our hearts for what it is your word has in store for us today. And um, if there's anything that's pressing, I pray that you can give us the faith and the strength to uh, let it infect our lives and allow us to live it out for your, for your glory. And it's in your name. Amen. All right. Um, so we are back in the creed. Okay. Uh, last Sunday we had the great privilege to hear about the internship. But um, we're going to just start right out of the gate. We can get the, the creed. Um, we're going to stand together and, and say this as a body of Christ. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Um, so I got to reflecting on this creed um, this past week. And... Because it's been, I was talking to Dave, I think we've been into this since about the beginning of the summer. Um, and the conclusion that I'm kind of drawing from it is it's just a really, really good thing for us as believers to just um, maybe kind of anchor ourselves in, right? I know, I know Bob's mentioned and some others have mentioned it's not, it's not the Bible, right? It's not the Word of God, but um, it is straight from God's word as a collection of things that we can kind of stand on um, as Christians. So I like to think of them as just pillars of truth that, um, that maybe we don't waver on, right? Um, and it's been great for me just to uh, reflect on what I personally believe, personally believe and uh, what my faith means to me. Um, as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, could there be a time where we could actually use the creed to help us share our faith with someone? Um, so, you know, like if you're at your local coffee spot, right? It's different for all of us. I'm going to assume I'm at Pronto. And, um, right? And there's somebody next to us. Let's say um, they're asking you, hey, what do you believe? 
So then I think to myself, can I pull from the creed? I can, but there's probably certain parts maybe I, I might want to stay away from if I, if I want a conversation starter for somebody who doesn't really have faith. Um, one of those parts, I, I probably want to maybe stay clear from, um, well, you know, I, I believe in the virgin birth. Probably don't want to say that right out of a gate to, to a new believer or somebody who doesn't know the gospel. Um, it's great for us, right? It's, it's the way Jesus Christ has come into this world through a miracle, but I don't know if we want to start with it. Um, I also thought about uh, Jesus come to, to judge the living and the dead. Don't know if condemnation's the best place to start for somebody that's new. But then there are lots of parts that I think are really good to start a conversation. And um, one of those parts is what we're given today. Um, the topic today, I think, is a great place to start, and it's the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Um, <clears throat> there's a slide I came up with with just some scripture. Um, through God's word, there's, there's probably much more than this. These are just some things that came to me um, that shows evidence of this, of this truth. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In Acts 10.43 all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Acts 13, 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Psalm 32, 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 10. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Then finally, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So, um, there's more. That's just uh, kind of what I came up with. The Bible is very clear on the forgiveness of sins. Um, <clears throat> a lot of you today can probably look back on a time when this found you. Uh, maybe it had something to do with you receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe one of the first times you heard about Jesus, the forgiveness of sins was probably paired with that. Um, I can personally remember I was raised in the church. Um, I probably grabbed a hold of my own faith probably in my early 20s, but a big part of that was when I finally just kind of received the forgiveness of sins. When I, when I made the decision to really buy into that, I was sick of carrying around my past, right, the weight of my sins, and I was like, you know what? I think God's created me to carry around the forgiveness of my sins. Um, it, was, it was pivotal for me in my walk with Christ. As probably some of you can relate, I see lots of heads nodding on that one. So that has me kind of thinking, like, what do I say, 
right? I don't think this is one of those parts in the creed that needs debating. I don't think I really have to give, convince a lot of you in here that we have the forgiveness of sins. We just sung, I feel like, worship song after worship song around this area. So um, I could end early, never be asked again to preach, um, but we could get out of here early. Or I was thinking I could maybe take a, a bit of a different approach, um, one that kind of examines what it means to live out the reality every day that our sins are forgiven, right? Not, not just this thing that we accept at the beginning of our journey with God, but something that, that we embrace every single day. And that's the reality that our sins are forgiven. Um, in order for us to do that, you're going to have to stick with me, okay? I think we're going to have to evaluate what sin does and the effects of sin on the believer, okay? On, on us as Christians. And the way that I've done this is just kind of in five areas that I came up with. Um, there's a slide. The first one is quenches the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Um, that is what sin does to the believer. It quenches the Holy Spirit. That word quench, um, I found out it just means to distinguish or to put out fire. Um, I thought that was a great illustration. I mean, that's what's happening. When we let sin overtakes us, it quenches and puts out the Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of us. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That was a part of the creed that we, we got a chance to know and to, to come into grips with. We know that the Holy Spirit, um, anything of permanent spiritual value in our lives that we get from God that's the Holy Spirit, right? That's, that's nothing on our own. That's all the Holy Spirit. Um, we can't glorify or honor God without the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And so one way that I was um, thinking about how sin can quench the Holy Spirit in me in my life is it always comes up in my relationships. Like my relationships across the board, I just have this self-centered approach that I'm just taking everything I can get, right? Um, I'm not looking to serve in the relationship. I'm just looking for all relationships to serve me how I desire. Um, the first one I think about is my marriage to my wife. Um, when the Holy Spirit in me is quenched, it's no longer about how I can partner with God to help her flourish to help her grow into the woman God desires, but it's all about me. It's about how she can meet my needs, how, how she can serve me, and then the expectation list that I put on her goes through the roof, and um, she's not designed to meet it, and it just goes bad. Um, so, yeah, relationships is, is, a, is a way that I can see the Holy Spirit getting quenched in me by my sin. Um, <clears throat> The second area that I have is how it, can, it affects community among other believers. So as, as Christians, our sin can affect the way that we do life with one another. The scripture I have up there is carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law 
of Christ. Um, ever since I've attended Wellspring, I feel like the thing that God's grace has really shown up with me is, man, community with this place. Um, I think my wife could say the same thing. Community has really found us at this church. However, I can also admit that sin can affect the way that I do community here. Um, it affects my whole perspective on community, right? Um, I tend to have a perspective where I don't really want to be found out because I'm, I'm just identifying with my sin. So when, when we're doing life with one another, I want stuff to, to kind of stay secretive. I don't want stuff to be found out because I just assume that if people really knew about me, man, it would just blow their world up, right? And um, so I'm not willing to get vulnerable. Um, there's no transparency with me and with the people that love me. Um, I just kind of tend to keep stuff in the dark. And the crummy result of that is that I just get filled with shame. Shame and guilt is about the only thing I can really see and identify with. And when you're filled with shame and guilt, our ability to love others well kind of gets sucked out. And so um, this is that time in the sermon where it's question time. So the question I have for you guys this morning is um, how in certain seasons of your life when, when, when sin infiltrates your heart and you're filled with shame, how can that impact the way you love other people? How can shame impact the way you love other people? Yeah, so she says she just tends to really do a good job of shutting people out, right? And she says that she doesn't want to see really why people would want to desire a relationship with her. And um, she just kind of closes the door on anything that could be offered with other people. Yeah, that's good stuff. Anybody else? Matt? Yeah, that's really good. You're, you're still on my thunder, man. He said, um, when, even when the attempt is to do life with others, if you're filled with shame and guilt, it's really ingenuine. So it, it doesn't have the impact that it authentically should 
because it's, it's an effort, right? And we're, we're forcing ourselves to love. So maybe somebody on the other end is not receiving it like they should. And then the joy that we can get from loving on others is kind of getting robbed. Yeah. One more. Dave? I think I, when I'm just kind of in really simple patterns, I seem to be get, I become inward focused and kind of more self-absorbed. And I, I'm not looking at others' needs as much when I'm in community. I'm just kind of focusing on myself more. Yep. And that's, um, he said he just focuses on himself. Other people's needs just kind of become irrelevant, and he's only thinking about himself. That's what I had written down. Um, life evolves around me um, when I have shame that uh, fills me. That's how it kind of impacts the way that I can, I can love others. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, those are some ways that it can affect how we do community. And I, I tend to think that community is like one of God's number one ways for us to encounter him. And to receive his love. I think it is so important. I know there's lots of times, and this is important, but sometimes the thing that gets driven a lot is like prayer, reading God's word, which it needs to be driven. We need to be in that stuff. But man, for me, what I have noticed in my life is God finds me in the midst of other people that are yoked up to the same way of living. Um, So yeah, okay, good. The third area that I have is um, how sin can rob us of joy. It says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So I feel like joy for the Christian, that should be like a trademark, right, of a believer. That we have that weird joy that people maybe almost get annoyed with, right? Like, why are you so happy all the time? Or like, I, I think about, um, I just did... A reading over the book of Acts, and there are so many parts when the disciples who are starting the church, they, they've been met with persecution, and they leave like rejoicing, like they're so happy that they found that it was worth that they could be physically persecuted for the sake of the gospel. That kind of blows my mind. That's a joy that um, should be trademarks of believers. Well, sin, it can rob us of that joy. Because what happens is we only get focused on our circumstances. And so now it's not really joy at all, right? Like the way that we feel, the way we wake up, our perspective on life is only driven from our circumstances. Um, a, a thing with me where my, my joy gets robbed, it always comes through finances. Always. Um, I just tell myself, you know what? If I can make more money things would be so much easier. Uh, Our marriage would probably run a little smoother. My kids would be happier. It's a lie. Uh, But this is what I think, right? So it's like, if I can just get to a point where I can make X amount of money, then we'll be rolling. And um, just not true, right? It's affected, that's an outside circumstance. That's not a joy that God promised us for us to have that can restore us. Um, Maybe you can think of other things just as far as your circumstance, maybe your, your job, um, the way you're encountering other people, or just uh, cards that have been dealt your way or cards that haven't been dealt. Um, if sin's overtaking us, we're only focused on our circumstances and if they're good or bad. 
Um, the fourth one I have is how sin can, for the believer, can take away peace that God gives or that God even commands us to have. Um, Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is huge. Um, it guards our hearts. Peace guards our hearts as Christians. Um, the things that I instantly become vulnerable to by my sin in this area, worry, anxiety, and fear consume me in just about every single area of my life. Um, I have lots of conversations with my dad. My dad's here today, by the way. That was nice of him. My other family that attends here every single Sunday, they're not here. My sisters aren't here, but my parents showed up. Um, anyways, I have lots of conversations with my dad, and just we always talk about like, hey, man, let go of that worry, right? Trust God. What's, what's causing us to have anxiety? And that's the bad thing that when, when peace gets robbed from us and stolen because of our sin, um, man, life's, life's not fun to do. We just second-guess everything. And this shows up. I'm going to get emotional because I'm talking about my boys. They have a way of doing that for me. Um, <clears throat> this always shows up in me with my three boys. When I let sin grip me and own me, I just begin to believe that I don't have what it takes as a father to raise these boys to be godly men. Um, mistakes that <clears throat> can come their way, right? Because they're just little ones in a crazy world. I can really focus on these and I can believe um, all sorts of lies. And I, I begin to feel the weight and the burden that it's all on me. It's all on me. How these three boys turn out and whether or not they turn out to be godly men, that's all on me. And that's not fun. Um, it robs me not of peace, but man, of lots of things, a thankfulness of the blessings that God's given me with those boys. It can really take it from me. Um, so yeah, when we don't have peace, um, we have worry and anxiety, and that's actively sinning in case you've never been told that before. Worry and anxiety is actively sinning against God. It's probably the number one ways we could not trust God more. Um, so the last area, I'm going to get away from this sin stuff in a little bit, okay? Just hang, hang tight. Um, the last area that I have is that it interferes with our fellowship with God. Uh, this is maybe one of the most important um, 1 John chapter 1, it says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Um, so fellowship with God, I've kind of defined it, and I've narrowed it down in just 
in just this. At any given moment in your life, at any time, you're right with God. That's fellowship with God. At any given moment in your life, whether it's during worship service, if it's a day in your job, if it's um, out in his creation, at any time in your life, you're right with God. That's true fellowship with God. Um, When sin comes up, that gets smothered. Um, I know for me, the way that this gets impacted the most is I now think that I have to have a certain condition to encounter God. Like even, even Sunday morning worship gets affected by me when I come into this church with sin. Because I'm just thinking to myself, I just review a week real quick. And if I had a solid week, if I was the father that I wanted to be, if I was the husband that I know she liked, I'm good. Now I can have some fellowship with God. And that's so backwards. Oh, man, that's a bad doctrine for us to have. Because that is all on our own accord. Right? The song we sang, nothing, on our, nothing of our own. Right? Grace that saved us. And so that's the scary thing is that we begin to have a different perspective on how we see God because we think we're conditioned. So it, it only matters when we can clean ourselves up or when we can get right with God. Well, here's the bad thing you're going to find about that. You're going to be busy. Right? Because that's going to be a full-time job cleaning yourself up. You're incapable of it. But that's what sin does with our fellowship with God. And that, that really stinks because we can have fellowship with God anywhere. Um, I, I got an opportunity to run a, uh, to run a hockey camp this last week, and Rob Starr's boy, Mac, um, man, I used to say he used to be this kid that I used to like do Bible study with. Now he's one of my best friends. Um, but we went fishing one night, and it was fellowship with God. It really legitimately was. It didn't hurt that we caught some great fish, right? But it really was. It was fellowship with God. Like, we're praying about it. We're on the water praying about it. I'm like, man, this is sweet. Um, But yeah, so sin robs that. Um, So those are some areas as believers, as Christians, that get impacted and affected by our sin. Now, if uh, if you're here today and um, maybe you haven't heard the gospel or if you haven't really dove in, to the whole process that our sins are forgiven, um, man, this is the time to maybe tune in a bit because this is when it gets really awesome. Our sins are forgiven. Not just once. Every day. God's grace finds us every single moment. And when we can live out that reality, that's for our joy. And that's a lot of freedom that we get to have every day. Um, So, next slide. Um, It says, I believe my sins are forgiven. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Our sins are blotted out, not just the part of our past that was like tough to kick, but every single day, our sins are blotted out, every day. Um, The sin that 
we felt like once Mark does. It doesn't. Jesus Christ died. His blood was shed on a cross for that. And a, an illustration that I always like to remind myself of is like, yeah, because Jesus' blood was shed on a cross, that was for us, right? That pardons us. But instead of God seeing our sin, he sees his son's blood all over us every day. So when we be, begin to feel identified with our sin, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. Our sins are forgiven. And God says, get over here because now he sees us as his son who has blood all over him. Our sins are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are a new creation, right? The old is gone. And um, when this becomes a reality for us, our whole life is different. So now, um, we're just going to flip it. So every area that we talked about, now we're going to kind of get a perspective on what it looks like when we actually live out the reality that our sins are forgiven. Um, when we believe our sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit becomes alive in us. One of the best promises that God had for us is the Holy Spirit. Um, so Jesus Christ's disciples, the people he spent most of his life with, most of his ministry for the three years that he did it, the people he ate with, he tells them that it's going to be way better for them if he leaves because with what he's leaving, and that's the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, we're the generation that that's all we know is the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ living in us. Um, the Holy Spirit represents Jesus Christ, just as Jesus Christ represented God when he walked on earth. Now we get to be that. We get to be his ambassadors when we have the Holy Spirit alive in us. Um, Man, when we're, when we're downcasted and we really need counsel, Holy Spirit's our counselor. Um, when we need comfort and feel like it doesn't exist anymore, Jesus Christ in us, the Holy Spirit comforts us. Um, when we come across a really tough situation or a tough decision that we don't really know what to do with and we're lacking wisdom and discernment, the Holy Spirit's there for us. So when we believe our sins are forgiven and we're identified in Christ as his children, this Holy Spirit can get going in us. And it's amazing because it's the only way that God can really be noticed in the world and in our life is with the Holy Spirit in us. Um, second, one is when we believe our sins are forgiven, his joy is made complete in us. Um, so the first type of joy that's made complete is maybe the fact that we get eternity forever in heaven with Jesus. Uh, King David wrote in one of his Psalms, restore in me the joy of my salvation. As believers in Christ, that's something I think should probably be restored every single day. So like, we can't, we can't process forgiveness of sins without having the feeling of, I got heaven for eternity. Right, like what's the worst that can be done to us? 
the whole reason that we were created for perfect fellowship with God, we have it after our time here. That restores our joy. Um, but this can also be brought on to just a daily level, our joy being restored. Um, I use the example of finances. Man, I'm not tripping on finances if I know my sins are forgiven. If God's big enough to forgive me of my brokenness, he probably got the provision to look after me when it comes financially. And this is only for my joy, right? Because when things get hard for my family financially, I can trust God. I don't have to freak out. I don't have to have worry and anxiety. I can just trust God, and that can give me a lot of joy. Um, the third one, when we believe our sins are forgiven, God uses community to help us feel loved and cared for. This is huge. And I know that there are people in here today that can testify to this. Um, the community at this church is very, very special. Um, <clears throat> my wife was just talking to me the other day about, she's like, man, Taylor, I feel like everywhere our life's been, the community at Wellspring has been a huge part of it. Like God has used the believers here to transform us, to cry with us, to uplift us, to encourage us. And that's what the church is for. That's why we're all on the same ground as, as believers. And when we believe our sins are forgiven, community can take off. Because now, I don't have to guard myself. I don't have to only think about, oh no, I don't want to be found out. I don't want to be found out. What's it matter? God sees me as his son. God sees me as his precious child. The Bible says we're saints. Okay, that's who I am. So sure, yeah, what do you want to know about me? Okay, I feel safe around you. You love me, sure. Now I get vulnerable. I'll let you in some darkness parts of my heart. If this is the way God wants to transform my life, is through another brother in Christ, okay, sure. Right, so now we have transparency. Now we share other people's burdens, and it kind of becomes delightful. Not like, I almost said, like you look for other people to have hard times. No, you don't look for other people to have hard times. But when somebody comes to you with an issue or like a life-pressing problem, you don't buckle. You just step up and you're like, yeah, let me wear that with you. Let me take that on with you. Because you know your sins are forgiven. And if, if God found you worth it to forgive then it's like, yeah, let me just extend this to other people. Let, let this flow out of me. And it is beautiful. Um, by far, the number one way that my life has been most transformed by God is through community, period, for sure. Um, then the next one is when we believe our sins are forgiven, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, This is, I think this is the one that I, that I talked about as a father. Um, even my shortcomings are, when I've lost my mind and I've 
said something to one of my precious boys that I just <clears throat> couldn't believe. I don't have to be founded in that. His grace is sufficient. It invades those places <clears throat> that we are um, that we don't think we're worthy of. Um, if my boys do end up being followers of Christ, it's certainly not going to be because of me. I just get the opportunity to obey God in the midst as I try to figure out how to raise them according to his will. His grace shows up everywhere. And that's what begins to happen. That's the peace we can have because when we identify that our sins are forgiven, then we know it's not all up to us, that we don't carry all this stuff. My sins are forgiven. That's peace. It's not going to matter exactly every single little tiny thing that I do for my sons to see. His grace doesn't keep any record of our wrongs. It doesn't. The moment we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, we're alive in him. He doesn't see our nastiness. And so, um, yeah, his grace will show up, and that will give me peace. I don't feel like I have to bring my A game every day, even though I'll try. I'll fail. I'll fail. But praise God, because my sins are forgiven. Um, <clears throat> the last one is when we believe our sins are forgiven, we have a fellowship with God that rejuvenates our soul. So now it, it doesn't matter how we present ourselves, right? It's, it's not like, uh, I can go to church this Sunday because I had a good week or you're not, you're not identified with all your nastiness, so this changes your whole fellowship with God. You feel like at any time in your life, you can meet with God because he has sent his son to die for you, has taken all the weight of your nastiness and your sin, has put it on his son who beat death for your sake. Now that's us. So when we keep that perspective, let's fellowship with God at any time we want. Fellowship with God when we eat a meal because we're right with God. And fellowship with God after doing something terrible that maybe you never thought you could do. You're still right with God. He still forgave us. That doesn't get taken away. We still have salvation. Right? So our fellowship is restored and this is what we thrive on. This is what we can't get away from, right? This is like what, what energizes us. Or like, um, I think about these crazy iPhones, man. Batteries always wear out, right? And um, they never last too long. You gotta plug that thing in to get it recharged. This is what fellowship of God does for us. And I know Sunday mornings with this worship team, I know some of you guys can re relate. That can really rejuvenate us, right? It can just lift your soul, but it, we can fellowship with God beyond that. We can fellowship with God in every area of your life. Um, 
With all this being said, if you haven't received the forgiveness of your sins, today is the day to do that. Um, this stuff is, is real. You'll be able to taste the freedom that you've never tasted before. Um, if you're a believer or a Christian here this morning, maybe you need to ask God to put this more practical for you every day that you can meet this and encounter this when you wake up. Yeah, your sins are forgiven and start living out of that space. Because I, I got to thinking, perhaps here's the best thing about this. When we live out the reality that our sins are forgiven, maybe the best thing about this is that a dying world that does not know God, they can encounter him. Just through the way that you're living your life because you know your sins are forgiven. Anything that our words could say or a crafty way we could present the gospel, none of it's going to have the same amount of weight that how you daily live your life in the freedom that your sins are forgiven. People will take note of that. God will be glorified, will be satisfied when we submit to the process that yes, our sins are forgiven, I'm a new creation. That's when people will start to look into our life and they'll want that attraction. We're ambassadors of Christ. Um, I'm going to go back to Max Starr just because I've spent two weeks with him doing hockey camps. Um, man, this dude, we prayed before every morning, and he was like, Hey, TK, you know, I just want people to see Christ when they're with me. He's like, like I don't even really care what they do with it because that's not our responsibility, right? Right? We just chuck the seeds. We're not the sower, man. That's not our business. That's God's business. He's like, I just want to make sure that when somebody encounters me, that they're just infected by Jesus, that they've had an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. That's our whole life. And I, I firmly believe that when we buy into it every single day, the truth that our sins are forgiven, we can have the ability to be part of a grander story and it's God's story on how he chooses to rescue and redeem the whole world. We get the chance to be a part of that. And that's how we really get fulfilled. And it's for, it's for our good. Um, <clears throat> so we have some communion um, today. The, the band will come up. And, and as we prepare for this, um, I was just told this morning that we were doing communion. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because the topic today is forgiveness of sins. Um, this is what this is. This is symbolic for all of this. Um, thinking about what Jesus Christ did for us. Um, thinking about what it gives us in eternity. And thinking about the freedom it can give us every single day as we live this out. So begin to ponder that. And begin to think about um, what what this is going to look like in your life when you live out this reality as, as we take communion.